Well, this morning, I want us to focus on tables. So I want a table in front of me. I like building tables. Being a woodworker, I, uh, I've built a number of different tables over the years. Side tables, dining tables, different kinds of tables. It's probably one of my favorite projects as a carpenter. Uh, they come in all shapes and sizes and purposes, as you know. I mean, they're large and small. They're side tables, night tables, dining tables, etc., and so on. And round tables like this that we gather around. And later in the service, these will be prayer tables that we will gather around as well. Uh, my daughter Hannah, as some of you know, is also a woodworker. And uh, she built a table in her grade 12 woods project. Isn't that a beautiful table? Uh, that she made, and so uh, that's sitting in our basement now, ready and waiting for that time when it will be a place that will gather around and people will enjoy for lots of different purposes. The table is a place of community. Table is a place that is so remarkably central to all of life. There's conversation around a table, food and drink, sometimes conflict, tears, struggles, Uh, oftentimes hours long after the meal is done. But you know, somehow sharing a meal together reveals things about people, about ourselves, about others, that maybe is not done in the same way around any other activity than just sharing a table together, having a meal together. We're called in Scripture, even in our last series in Romans, we saw in Romans uh, chapter 12, this call to practice hospitality. And this invitation and this call that is there in Scripture to practice hospitality, to to welcome people to the table and to share a table together. If you've been in other cultures around the world, you know that other cultures are very good at hospitality. I think we in North America can often learn from other cultures. And uh, years ago when we lived in Calgary, Lisa and I were good friends with uh, Media Nahid, our Muslim friends uh, there that we would spend time in their house and their daughters babysat our daughters many times and we would sit around their table and have this wonderful Persian food that they would make. And there would be a tray of rice that would be about this long and this wide and mounted up. And I'm looking around going, there's only four of us here. Who's going to eat all this? And pretty soon, if you know Lisa, she doesn't like food that tastes weird. And so pretty soon after we'd been there a few times, you know... um, they would have a special little pot of plain rice and chicken. That was Lisa's bowl. Um, But hospitality and the beauty of being in these different places and enjoying a meal together is so important. In other parts of the world, again, like in the Middle East, uh, tables and a meal is often where business is done and contracts are signed. And oftentimes how the business deal goes depends on table manners at the meal and how the interaction goes. And so it is absolutely critical of how we think about table and how we think about meals. Many of you know I was growing up on a farm and I was in a family of seven kids. There are seven uh, of us in in my family and so when we were growing up if everybody was around and we were pretty spread out so often we weren't all around at the same time but when we were there I mean our table was pretty lively as you can imagine And uh, my sister, my younger sister, who's actually coming to visit us later this afternoon, she lives in Winnipeg now, and she would tell my daughter sometimes, oh yeah, your dad, when he would sit beside me, because you know how growing up you all have your stalls, right? You got your stall. Here's where you belong, here's where you belong. And her stall, unfortunately, was like right beside mine. And I had this tendency where, you know, I would always look at her plate, and I would always, my favorite line was, you gonna eat that? 
And she knew that she had to eat her food and guard her food pretty carefully around the table or else it was going to be gone. But I said, I mean, you grow up the youngest of five boys and you learn to fend for yourself. You learn to eat fast and quick and you get at stuff. So the table is this interesting dynamic. I have a picture here also of my family uh, meeting together. Here's the table at my dad's 90th birthday party this summer. And uh, gathered around this table of celebrating 90 years of life that is so significant. Our family, too, we have the virtual kitchen table. The virtual kitchen table is where we email each other and we connect with each other in different ways where if uh, people are, we're spread out all over Canada. And so when we email one or two people in the family, we copy everybody and everybody listens in. We call it the virtual kitchen table. It's a way of just sort of connecting in different ways uh, as a family. So tables for me represent some of the best things in life. Food, (laughs) definitely. Unhurried quality time if we have the discipline to do that. I think we we need to take the disciplines of of doing that, of preparing meals together, eating together, to have our disciplines around technology, right? You know, the phone rules around tables, we need to have that. The TV rules around tables in order to be fully present with each other. And I think in our distracted lives, we need to be more intentional than ever of how we are present around a table. So that's what I want us to focus on today. That's what I think God would have us focus on today. You know, last week we talked about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God and how it's continually expressed in the ordinary places of life and in everyday life. The kingdom of God is is seen there at the table and at a meal. You cannot read the gospel accounts and not be aware of the food and drink that was so important to Jesus' life and ministry and how he used that to encounter people and where transformation happened. Jesus had unique table manners. There were powerful things that happened at the table when Jesus was present. And in Luke's gospel, there are actually seven table scenes, significant table scenes in Luke's gospel, and uh, two of which we're going to look at briefly today. The table is a place of vulnerability, of community, of learning, of encountering the presence of Jesus. You know, it's interesting that the primary symbol, probably, of the Christian faith is actually a cross. It's, it's the primary symbol that the world would know of the Christian faith, and it is for us, and I think it's significant and applicable and very relevant in the upside-down kingdom that we celebrate, right? Here is this instrument and this symbol of torture and death that has now con- come to mean freedom and life. It's an incredible, beautiful thing. As Jesus overcame the grave, was put on a cross, died, rose again, and overcame death. But then he gathers his disciples, and he, he does something, and he institutes something, and he puts in motion another symbol, another practice that is so deep and meaningful, and it's the simple things of bread and wine. And he says, we need to come together to the table and to remember at the Lord's table. Simple, everyday things, everyday life of eating and drinking together that Jesus institutes around the Lord's table of his faithful presence being there. I think it's a beautiful picture and a beautiful practice because it's so simple and it's so repeatable. We eat every day. We gather with others every day. 
Could we elevate and heighten our view of the table and our intentionality around the table where we would invite and see Jesus more present? Which is why we pray together meal for thankfulness, to give thanks to God for this food, but also to invite his presence again. We know his presence is there, as we've talked about, but even that we would be awakened to his presence around the table. God, what would you have us attentive to around the table today? And so as we gather, that we would be that intentional in these daily practices. Turn with me to Luke chapter 22. We're going to look, uh, first of all, Luke chapter 22 and then Luke 24. And here we have Jesus celebrating the Passover meal. It's the fifth of seven of the meal scenes that I mentioned in Luke's gospel. And here's this Jewish celebration, the Passover. And Jesus is gathering his disciples and celebrating this Jewish Passover that he did. And they would gather together and they would remember the Exodus, the member of the story of God, the salvation story of God, the people of Israel and how they were rescued out of slavery in Egypt and they were saved. It was salvation. It was redemption. It, was, it, it pictured so much. It was also their identity as a people. This Exodus story so identified them as a people of God. And so that was what the Passover meal was about. Remembering when the angel of death passed over the houses that had the lamb, the blood of the lamb painted on the doorpost, if you remember. In that last of the ten plagues. And how none of the Egyptian households were touched and they were rescued. And then the Exodus story begins. And so Jesus, being a good Jewish man, is remembering this Passover story. And he's gathering the disciples to remember this identity marker in their lives. And he brings now new meaning and depth to this incredible story. So we read in Luke uh, chapter 22, verse 14 and to 24. I want to read that. It says, when the time came, Jesus and the apostles, what did they do? They sat down together at the table. And Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples. Saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. And after supper, he took another cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed by my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. But here at this table, sitting among us is a friend, as a friend, is the man who will betray me. For it has been determined that the Son of Man must die, but what sorrow awaits the one who betrays him? The disciples began to ask each other which of them would ever do such a thing. And then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. I love that part. Fighting at the table. Stop fighting at the table. Even Jesus had to say that to the disciples. But notice here that, that Jesus begins with the cup. And oftentimes, and in the other text, he begins with the bread. But here he begins with a cup of wine, and he gives explanation and teaching. And then he shares about the bread. And then later, he has another cup. And so he has a second cup of wine that he refers to and talks about because the Passover meal... Typically, it would have four different courses, each symbolizing different aspects. And so Jesus here is bringing new meaning to these aspects of the Passover, even dealing with pride and power issues as they fought at the table. So Jesus calls them to this mutual submission 
to serve one another, to humble themselves to one another. So this is the Lord's table, this place of discipleship where we meet Jesus. In Luke chapter 24, if you turn over a page or two, Luke chapter 24, we uh, will just look at a few verses in this story of the road to Emmaus. And we see the first post-resurrection meal. The other one that we just read was prior to his crucifixion and the resurrection. And now this is after that. And uh, so this is the post-resurrection meal where Jesus himself breaks bread with the believers and becomes so present among them. So Jerusalem is abuzz. The city is just swirling with this news and all the events of the preceding days. There was this crucifixion that had happened and he was, this Jesus was placed in a tomb and now the tomb is empty. And the witnesses, the people who were there, the people who saw it and experienced it all, they are scattered and they are wrestling with what does this all mean. And two of them are now walking along the road towards Emmaus, about seven miles away from Jerusalem. And then suddenly Jesus appears with them and is processing with them and teaching them, and they don't recognize him. And then it says in verse 28 to 33, it says, By this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey, and Jesus acted as if they were going on. But they begged him, Stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them, and as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and he blessed it. And then he broke it and gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. And then they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. Jesus took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and they shared it together. And suddenly their eyes were opened and they saw Jesus for who he really was. I think that's a beautiful picture as we come to the table and as we break bread together, and even as we break bread around our own tables and we invite the presence of Jesus and ask him to awaken us to his presence, that we would actually see him more real, faithfully present in our midst. So I want us to think about our various tables today and our various meals that we have throughout the week. And I want us to elevate them, elevate our experience and our expectation of these meals and the table. And I want to have us think about it in three different contexts. And let me explain that, that we could see and experience Jesus' faithful presence more and more at each one. Author and pastor David Fitch, he has written a book called Faithful Presence, and we're borrowing from that throughout this series at different times. But he talks about three circles or three contexts where these disciplines that we practice, the faithful presence of God, can happen in these three contexts. I want to explain them this morning in relation to the table. The first context is the close circle. Like my artwork? That's my doodling. So the first one is the close table. Not the closed table, but the close table. It's a table of intimacy. It doesn't exclude people, but there is intimacy where believers gather to worship, to take communion, to remember, to celebrate what God has done in Jesus. It's the closeness of the faith community coming together to do uniquely what it does Focusing on Jesus as we eat the bread and drink the cup together. Discerning our submission to Christ and to one another under his reign. It's a social closeness also that is supernatural in this community. And, And in this close circle, Jesus is the host. He is the one who is host at the table. He is the one who invites us to come 
and to be at the table together. And we bring our needs and our hurts, our doubts and disillusionment, our fears and resentments and anything else to the table. Here it's all surrendered to the presence of Christ for his forgiveness, his reconciliation, and his renewal. It's a discipline that is practiced around the world as the church gathers. You go to any part of the globe and you find believers and to enter into communion together at the Lord's table together is a really significant event. There is an intimacy and a closeness and a bonding together that is powerful, especially as you do this in other cultures and contexts. But when we come together and we, we see this vertical connection between us and God and this horizontal connection between us and fellow believers, and it's this beautiful, close setting that is so important as we see the and experience the presence of Jesus together with each other. And so we practice this on a regular basis. And we do this together in this close circle. It actually helps us to be present in other of the circles that we'll see in just a minute. So the second one that, that Fitch talks about is called the dotted circle. And the dotted circle, that's my little picture of a house there. And there's somebody at the doorway welcoming people in, welcoming them to their table. And so... The dotted circle is different. It's where the incarnational presence of Jesus did not just stay in this close circle, but it's extended to others in the neighborhood. It's defined still by committed followers of Jesus, but there is space for neighbors and strangers to enter in and watch what God is doing in this circle. And here the Christian believer is the host. We are the host if we are a follower of Christ. We welcome others to the table to eat with us and enjoy time with us and spend time with our family and get to see how we live And it's this practice of hospitality with one another. It happens regularly in our homes as we open our homes and our kitchen tables and we meet together with others and invite others who are not necessarily believers to join in and have a meal together and to just simply get to know each other. The circle is porous. I think of Jesus and the feeding of the 5,000. There were so many onlookers as Jesus was teaching his disciples and all these people were drawn to him and they didn't know what to think about who Jesus was and so they were these onlookers and spectators and they were trying to figure it out and here Jesus is teaching and and he welcomes them to the table. Jesus and the disciples, they are the hosts welcoming these people and having this time together of eating and sharing together and teaching about the kingdom of God as others listen in and take part and it's this beautiful picture. I think of uh, quite a few years ago now as a church when we were walking through an Advent called, a season called Advent Conspiracy. We did that for a few years, and you remember. And one of the years, what we did in December is we actually did not have our Sunday morning corporate worship gathering. We canceled this so that we could be faithfully present in our neighborhoods. And we encouraged each other to actually engage with our neighbors. And I remember for Lisa and I that, that morning, it was such a significant morning having three of our neighbors on a Sunday morning for brunch and said, come and join us. Ironically, they're all available. They all showed up. And they said, Pastor, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be in church. But it was so good to just welcome them at the table. And all I did is I said, hey, could I just pray a blessing on the meal and on your families before we started? And I just, absolutely, because we're the host. And so I prayed a blessing on these families, and we had the most wonderful hours together with our neighbors, none of who are believers or go to church. And it was this beautiful picture of this dotted circle of helping people understand a little bit more of the kingdom. I shared with you last summer when uh, a number of us, there were six of us in our group who did the West Coast Trail, and I shared that story. And that, to me, just remains this most beautiful picture of this dotted circle. And two of my daughters were part of that trip, and uh, Milton Block, my older brother Fred, and a friend of my daughter's 
was there, and, and these others gathered to our community as we hiked this trail for six days. And two young German girls who joined our group and were with us all those days, and one young man from northern Quebec, all three of these young adults who had no faith background whatsoever, had no idea who God was or anything of faith, but every evening we gathered around our table of driftwood and logs and a campfire, and we held our meals on our laps, and we shared life stories together. And every night, different people took turns sharing their life story, and stories of faith were intertwined within that. And questions were asked about the kingdom of God, and, okay, I've never heard this before, and tell me about this, and what about that? We had this most amazing conversation. And so for me, as, as the leader of the group, it was a wonderful experience to, to be the host at this table, and to kind of guide the conversation, but to allow others in to be a part of that. A beautiful picture of seeing God at work. And then there's the third one, the half circle. And the half circle, that's a picture of a business or a restaurant or something like that, but where we, it's, it's, it's where we go out into the world as guests. Reflecting, though, and revealing and embodying the faithful presence of Jesus in the world. This is where we're invited in. We're invited into other people's homes. We're invited into meals at restaurants with other people. We're invited into different contexts that we interact with people who come from all kinds of different backgrounds and maybe invited to share a meal in one form or another. And so the question here isn't whether Jesus is present. He always is. The question is just whether he is welcome there. We need a completely different posture when we enter the half circle. Because we go as guests, completely as guests, we need to go humbly. We're not in charge, but we're gracious, still looking and praying, Jesus, what would you do in this setting? How would you reveal yourself in this conversation? What would that look like? We pray quietly and we ask, Lord, what would you do? And so as Lisa and I would go into Mehdi and Nahid's home, we would go as guests and say, Lord, would you be present there? as we spent time there. Jesus did this all the time. Jesus, as you read the Gospels, he would go and he would eat meals in the homes of the tax collectors. The story of Levi, this beautiful story. The story of Zacchaeus, another beautiful story, as he met with tax collectors who considered like the worst of sinners, the prostitutes and others who the Pharisees would not go near or touch. And Jesus went into their home as guests and ate with them continuously. And that line where it talks about, even in the church, when a believer is struggling, and, and it talks in there where Paul says, you know, treat them as pagans, as tax collectors. You ask the question, well, how did Jesus treat pagans and tax collectors? He went and spent time with them, and he loved them, and he got to know them, and he had meals with them. And so in that half circle, we go as guests, and we go with a very different posture to share a meal together. We do this even, I think, as we go eat in restaurants at different times. Even if it's a group of believers, I, I think we go actually as guests into that setting. And I would encourage you to see your server as the host. And you go as guest in that way. And so even in that, as I, I think about this and how we even pray before meals, which I think is great to do, even a restaurant, we do that as well too. But to give thanks for that, but not to make a scene of that. To be humble. Because as a guest, I don't want to make my server awkward in that way. It's not about me making a statement in that moment. Um, just to come in modestly. I think that's where Jesus says, you know what, pray quietly. It's that teaching there that says, go in, pray quietly. Don't try to impact your server by making them stand there awkwardly while you pray a long prayer. If you want to impact your server, ask them how they're doing and then really listen and then leave a really big tip. 
I remember one time we, uh, I was having a conversation, and I've shared this story before, and, and with Howie Wall, and, and uh, Howie had asked the question about how the server was doing, and the person shared something about a friend who had just committed suicide. Wow. And Howie sat there and ministered and shared about the kingdom of God and about grace and said things that I could have never said and was present. Jesus was present in that moment. So how do we go into our culture? How do we go into our world? Do we go as guests? You know, Fitch, he talks about the maintenance mode of the church. We go into maintenance mode of the church when we focus on the close circle and the intimacy with Christ. And we do that exclusively and we disengage and become insulated from our surrounding culture that we live in. And he says that's when the church gets into maintenance mode. When we just kind of put up the walls and put up the boundaries and put up the borders and our language becomes tribal and we get cut off from the mission that God has given us. Or he says the other side of it is we go to exhaustion mode. And exhaustion mode is when we leave the close circle behind and we lose the intimacy with Christ and fellow believers and we actually just simply go out into the world for justice and mission in the world. We say we're going to make a difference in the world. A worthy cause for sure. But it will leave you exhausted and empty. And so we need these different circles together. We need to come to the close circle to be fueled for the week and to be connected with Jesus and to see him and experience him again so that we can do that all throughout the week as Jesus through his spirit is with us making a difference in the world and so I would encourage us through this week and through this fall to ask what are what are our postures and our disciplines in regards to the table how do we and how can we elevate the table in our lives in different ways the close circle when we gather in communion and the Lord's table, the dotted circle when we are the host and we invite others in, the half circle when we go as guests, how will we elevate our experience in these things? And we've, our posture, as you know, is what other people see. It's, it's what other people notice before we say anything. What's the posture that we have? What are the disciplines that we have? What are the practices that we have in our lives? Do we make space for this to be engaged in this way with other people? And you know, I think for a lot of us, we struggle with this. I struggle with this. How do we be more intentional in this way? How do we help people see the faithful presence of Jesus? And how do we be that in other people's lives? And as we've talked about in the preceding weeks, this stumbling transformation that we're all a part of. A number of years ago, I led a lifetime class, and some of you were a part of it. And it was probably one of the most fun experiences I had. And we called it Adventures in Discipleship. And we looked at Reggie McNeil's pattern of what he teaches in one of his books, and he says, you know, Jesus' teaching was kind of this. Train, deploy, debrief. Three things. He would train his disciples about something, then he would deploy them, go and do it, and then they would come back to pray and to talk, and they would debrief. And so in that class, what we would do is we would take one little aspect of discipleship, and we'd say, okay, go out now and do it for this week. And then the next week, we'd come back, and we'd spend the first half debriefing. What happened? And it was an amazing time of just having these adventures in discipleship to see what God was doing and how we could be faithfully present in our city and in our lives and in our families. And I would encourage you and each one of us as we go into this fall and even into this week that we could do that, that we could just train one another, 
that we could feel deployed and deploy one another and then just spend time debriefing. Hey, how did that work? Do that in your small groups. Do that in your families. Do that as you gather around tables. Train, deploy, debrief each other over and over and over again. Let's pray together. So Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your faithfulness to us. We thank you again that you are a God who is faithfully present in our lives. And thank you for this great mission, this co-mission that you have given us together in community, where you have called us to go. And God, we just confess that we get so comfortable and so set in our patterns and our comfort zones with familiar people and familiar practices. And God, would you shake us up this fall? Would you help us to be a church and a people that looks to invite others in our poorest circle, that we would invite others to just be at our table, and that we would host well. And Lord, as we walk into the different places in the settings around us in our city, that we would go as humble guests when we're in the half circle. And Lord, would you transform us? And would you help us to see an awakening of people just like those two on the road to Emmaus who suddenly said, Jesus was here. Jesus was among us. That was the living Savior. God, may we experience that in all kinds of ways. We pray in the powerful name of the risen Savior, our Lord Jesus. Amen.